Uh, yeah, Nick Paul puts the Lightning up 2-0. Uh, shots are 12-10 Tampa Bay. Flyers don't look terrible, but, uh, you know, Vasilevsky's in goal, so uh, this game's basically done. Tampa Bay scored twice. <laughs> Flyers probably yeah, yeah, not in the box. Yeah, they're still in the box. It's, uh, Tampa Bay scores here. Game's over. This is weird. How many shots do the Lightning have on, on your screen, Jack? Nine? Uh, nine. All right, it says 9-9 in the game, but on the NHL app, shots are 12-10. So, yeah, I don't think it's nine. I think they have more than nine. <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird because the times are similar. The times are actually on, on the stream. It's five seconds faster than the app. Not, never mind. It's knotted up. It's the same. Hmm. Yeah. That's weird. Uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff there, though. We uh, mentioned before the show we could probably do an entire period on Chuck Fletcher. We did uh, almost a period and a half. So, you know, let's kind of move on to our next topic here. And you had a, a Claude Giroux topic you wanted to bring up. Yeah, it's just not that he's all that relevant right now. I just we had been talking about him on and off and whatnot. And uh, it was our group chat, actually. I don't remember exactly who said it, but. And it's I, the reason I, I'm thinking about it is because I was definitely a defender for quite a quite a while, um, and it's just that some people put the blame on the locker room culture a little too much on Drew. And while it, I guess it depends on how much blame you put on it, I don't. I definitely don't put the whole thing on it. But the man was the captain, and it was easily one of the worst uh, stretches of Flyers hockey. You know. And I guess for me, we didn't know a whole lot about the, the locker room back in 2014 and 15 and 16. You know, things trickled out over the years. Uh, and I watched Drew on the ice, and I see the man just giving 110% pretty much every chance he gets, getting all pissed off when things don't go his way or he gets hurt, you know, because he's always getting slashed and, you know, whatnot. So it's like I just – I never understood people, oh, rip the C off his chest. And I'm like, just like, one, that's ridiculous. It's not going to do anybody any good. And two, it's like, how can you, like, look at the guy on the ice and not get pumped up by how he plays, you know? Like, how, how does that not inspire you? And the fact of the matter is, I guess it doesn't with certain players. I really thought it was a talent thing. But when they the whole country club thing came out, and Vorchek's, like, probably the biggest uh, – what's the word I'm trying to think of? The biggest issue with this, I guess um, – at the end of the day, you know, Drew was a part of that quote-unquote leadership group. He was should have been the head of it, and there was no other real veterans there to, like, set things straight. And it just makes me think, and I want to know your thoughts, you know, like, everything that's come out since he's been gone, everything about the locker room, every, when you had people like Cam Atkinson come in and players from other teams come in and just immediately point out the country club feel and things of that nature. And, zero, and we know there was zero accountability in that locker room. No matter how hard he played on the ice, it seemed when you need to call somebody out in the locker room, it's nice to have teammates back, but at, at times when somebody screws up, they need to be told so. There needs to be accountability. Otherwise, nothing ever changes. And um, he was the captain, and he was part of that issue. And I'm, I'm realizing it. I, I, I just see, wow. I just don't understand how... It's, it's, I don't think it's a gray area. I think it's black or white. Was it an issue? And I think the answer is yes. So, like, where do you sit with all that since everything has, like, come out over the last couple of years? Yeah, so 
There's no denying that Claude Giroux is a great hockey player, and there's no denying that the Flyers are missing his skill on the roster, I think, right? Oh, yeah. They could absolutely absolutely use a player of his caliber. They could use multiple players of his caliber. Um, here's my thing, I think, with Drew. I don't, I don't think that he was, and this is my assumption because I don't know, I don't think he was bad for the room. I think if he was bad for the room, it was unintentional. Does that make sense? Um, I think having a guy like Claude Giroux with a lot of young if you want to blame anybody, you blame the GM that put the team together. I think having a Claude Giroux makes it hard for younger players to have a voice. And like I said, I don't know the dynamic in the room. He could have attempted to make it easier for them. I'm, I'm not sure. But um, if, I'm, if you're a younger player in a locker room with you know, an all-time franchise great like Claude Giroux and the team's not playing well, do you feel like you have the right or the respect to call out the team when Claude Giroux is in that room? Absolutely not. And I mean, only the most rare rookies who are younger players would do such a thing. Um, and I guess that's where it's kind of like it's not their job to do so. Right. And, and that's that's how I think he could negatively af- uh, affect a team unintentionally, of course, because you want guys like Provorov like Konechny, like Farabee, to take ownership of the team and say, this is my team, this is our team. And if we're not playing well and I want to say something, I need to feel like I can or I have a voice. Um, Otherwise, you're waiting for a guy like Claude Giroux to do it every single night. And when that starts happening, you start to rely on that player all the time. And what did we see last year? Like, it was only Claude Giroux. Like, there was nobody else. It was kind of like, I mean, how do I explain it? Um, if, if you're the younger brother, you might have things easier because you have an older brother. Your older brother is going to take care of a lot of things. He's going to take the brunt of a lot of things. Uh, he's going to be in the media Right. If you're if you're the younger player, you might not have to talk to the media because, you know, Claude Giroux is going to take care of it. And subconsciously, you start to just lean on this guy. Claude Giroux is going to score tonight. We just have to wait for Claude Giroux to, to make a move or, or make a play, make something happen. And you don't you're not doing it intentionally, but you're you're waiting for somebody else to make a play. And as an NHL player, whether you're 23, 24, whatever, shouldn't be waiting for somebody else to make a play. You're getting paid to make a play, right? And so I think not having Claude Giroux here, I think the hope, at least mine, was that players would feel more empowered to take on some of the load because there is nobody to rely on. Giroux's gone. Voracek's gone. uh, Simmons is gone. All those guys they looked up to are gone. The responsibility is on you now, Travis Konechny. Uh, it's on you now, Ivan Provorov, Travis Sanheim, um, whoever else, Joel Farabee. Um, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? 
Uh, on ice, it makes perfect sense. Like, definitely. I, I uh, even didn't consider, you know, the waiting for him to make a play because that just shows you that he never liked to lose and he would get angry and always give it all he got to, you know, keep the team in the game. And that's understandable. And it's, you know, it's even um, admirable. It's just at the end of the day, when the team's in a 10-game losing streak, one of the many and whatnot, and it's you have to have their the players only meetings, which became a joke. Like we'd hear that, and just the memes would start, and we start making our you know. I guess they're gutting hammered. You know, it's it's just like you know that's where I, I felt like the real teams, the playoff teams that are there every year, and teams actually don't just make the playoffs but have a realistic chance of doing something. I feel like those meetings mean something when those teams do that. I feel like there's accountability. Uh, on the ice, in between periods, at practice games, where I don't think there was any here. I think we, we can all agree that there was no accountability because nothing ever changed. Um, and it was, if anything, it just got worse and worse and worse. And eventually they started adding talent to this team in once, you know, one form or another. I'm not saying they added Panarin or anything, but, you know, they did add talent. And we really only had one playoff year. And we beat a team that technically would not have made the playoffs in a different structure and then ultimately lost to a pretty good team. But they never came close to that again. And I just feel like the talent, the players on the team, it shouldn't have been that way. I, I, there, there were too many good players have come, come and gone, the coaches who have come and gone because this team is coach killers. And then – you get guys who have been somewhat successful or even very successful that come in here and they notice right away that there's major issues with the locker room. And that, that's the biggest red flag. And you got your your captain. Yeah, he's captain on the ice, but he's captain off the ice as well. And it, him and Voracek were one and the same. Like it was the, Those two were the guys, the longest tenured guys with the team. It was their team. And it just – Nothing changed back, you know, behind closed doors. Nobody ever was held accountable for anything. You get blown out regularly, horrible game, horrible losing streaks, and I think there's. It's definitely not all his fault, but he's definitely deserves a blunt of the brain of the blame. And it's, I, I find it. I don't know how you can just dismiss that. And I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying in general, because I kind of did for a bit. I just felt like his on ice. Prowess was enough to overcome anything else. Like you don't need to always be a vocal leader; you can lead by example. It turns out I was wrong. I think you need to do both. Well, then to your point too, and to to some of mine, if they had a competent GM at any point in the last eight to ten years that would put together a legitimate roster, you wouldn't you wouldn't have had the end result you wouldn't have had a roster filled with kids and uh, uh you know and claude Giroux, right there wouldn't have been that reliance you know what i mean it would have been claude Giroux and players with similar skill and the flyers would have been winning games it would have had deep playoff runs instead it was crap for eight to ten years and claude Giroux was doing this thing but imagine imagine if he had a goal scorer imagine if he had like a even a simone gagne for, for five of those years, he would have had a, he would have been a point per game player for his career, you know, instead of nine hundred and a thousand when he left. Um, they just never 
got him that guy. Like he didn't need a Voracek. Like Giroux was a Giroux was a playmaker. I think he scored 30 goals once or twice, but he was a, a playmaker. Yeah, he could shoot, but he was generally a playmaker. I think if he had a, a guy that could put 40 goals in, he he was probably a, at least an 85 point player, 80 point player a season. You know what I mean? Easily a point per game player for his career. And I think I think that the the point of that is the on the ice thing. The man should have not only been nominated for a Hart Trophy when he had over a hundred points and scored the hat trick to put the team in the playoffs against the Rangers, uh, and he didn't even get nominated. He could have won the damn thing. But like, and it, there is definitely talent issues like you know around him, especially goal scoring wise. It's, it, I just feel like the players that they did have, the team that they did build, you know, the they should have been, been a lot better. They should they shouldn't have gotten blown out the way they do and respond to the next game by getting blown out again by the same team. Like where does that ever happen? Oh, this team smoked us nine to one, a division rival. Hey, even go further than that, the Rangers are very hated. You know, just always rival from since the what the 70s you know and then they turn around and let them do it again eight to three okay that would never happen nobody would ever allow it to happen except for this team you know unless everybody be fighting and the game would only be that way because everybody be in the penalty box or thrown out of the game and it just seemed so it came so easy with this team and it's things of that nature that just yeah we're just here to show up we're all friends we're going to get drunk after this. we got to play quick hockey game first. The results don't matter. And I don't think that he set that. I think I don't think they set it up that way. I think it just slowly became that way. Nobody did anything to change it or stop the change or didn't want to talk down or negatively to their teammates or something of that nature. And I think that there needs to be the, the culture in the locker room and just being a vocal leader, it does mean something. I, if he had better a better group around him, that would have helped as well. That's why it's definitely not all on him. He had Voracek. Voracek's a great player. I don't think he put much interest into winning and losing, honestly, at least towards the end. You know, I think he was there to have a good time. You know, he's getting paid plenty of money, and he really – only came close to the numbers he signed after he signed the deal, like once or twice. And and he, I know how good he is, but he, I don't think winning was a big part of his forte. If, if Drew had a healthy pronger with him, different story. Different story, different team. I guarantee you different, different results. I'm not just talking about on the ice how good pronger was. I'm talking about the effect he had on the locker room, how much help he was for Mike Richards. You know, when Richards was captain and he was the other voice there and little things that you do with, you have experience that nobody, you know, you don't know what to do. You know, like when he's trying to you know, take in the puck in the Stanley cup, because the team was down Oh two in the Stanley cup. Instead of talking about that, we're talking to Pronger about what he did with the puck. Like, that's how you take all the pressure off your teammates, like things of that nature. Like, I just don't know if he was, some people just aren't meant to be captain and it goes to the whole, your best player just gets to see, which is silly. I, I just think that's silly, and I think that maybe affected Drew. I don't think it affected his play on the ice. It just if he was the guy in the in the locker room, so everybody's go to for answers and whatnot. I don't think he just was the voice, and because of that, you kind of let things slip, and this lazy culture kind of slips in, and all of a sudden you're not here to work. You're here to 
have fun with your friends before you move on. You know, you do whatever after it's done, and that's why I think that's why the team is as bad as they've been in franchise history. And we're not just talking about a bad season or two. Like, this is the worst stretch in franchise history, and it's not even close. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, the page has been turned, right? Finally, Drew's gone. Um, yeah, uh, I was. I was always. I'm not mad. I don't miss Claude Drew. I don't know if that sounds weird or if it sounds lame. I was ready to move on, turn the page. I think that was the only way to move forward. You know, the longer you keep, it's like. Like you take over a new business, the first thing you're going to do is weed people out, right? Who's who's with me and who's against me? Because when you're taking over a new business, it's hard enough to to do with people who want to help you. You don't need people pulling the rope the other way. And not that Giroux was pulling the rope the other way. It's going to be hard enough as it is. You don't need anybody pulling the other way. And if you know you have people that have been there for a long time. They know how things are done. They're going to help you, but they also have, quote unquote, the bad habits before you got there. Like in your mind, you have things you want done a certain way. This guy has been here for so long, it's going to be hard for him to change and do things the way you want. Right now, it's a little bit different with hockey, and, you know, it's, it's not. Uh, I mean, it's a business, but not the kind that I'm kind of talking about here. So, I mean, Claude Giroux is one of the best players in Flyers history. Of course, he's so many great things. Um, but you take over the, the franchise or, or the roster, and it's like, Claude Giroux will help me with points, but will he help me change minds? Will he help me change the room? You know, or, or is it going to be me versus him kind of thing? Do you know what I mean? Am I going to be pulling one way? Because let's face it, I mean, they were never going to win a lot of games. Let's say Claude Giroux was still here. They, they were, they're still going to lose 10 straight, right? Yeah. They wouldn't have, he wouldn't be making much of a difference if he was still here. Um, it's kind of like, okay, if I'm Tortorella, is Giroux going to be with me or is he going to be kind of going the other way? It, you know, I, he's been – this was Giroux's team. No matter what player came in, no matter what coach came in, no matter what GM came in. He had a no-movement clause. He had the big contract. He's been here for the longest tenured captain in Flyers history. He had all that stuff, right? So no matter what coach came in, this was Claude Giroux's team. You know, they hired Dave Haxtell. He was the coach. This was Claude Giroux's team. They hired Elaine Vigneault. This was Claude Giroux's team. The only way things were going to... I believe change behind the scenes or I'm not saying that Giroux was again, not saying Giroux was a bad captain was to move Giroux and bring in a new coach uh, with the personality. I think of, of Twitter, of Twitter. I don't even know if you necessarily needed his personality once they traded Giroux, because now you have a bunch of guys who don't necessarily have that leader, have that guy they looked up to were relied upon, de depended upon. Usually when that happens, guys just step up on their own. They grow into these roles. I think Tortorella is moving that process a little bit along, uh, a little bit quicker along, and he's picking out the guys that he wants. 
even if there's a guy that stands up and says, I'm ready to lead, he's like, no, no, no. You're not who I want. You know what I mean? This, these are going to be the guys I want. Um, so, so we'll see. And, and Scott Lawton's a perfect example of that. He calls him the true professional on and off the ice. Scott Lawton is the example. He, right now, is the standard of, you know, player or, or, or leadership guy that he's looking for. Um, so I don't know. I, I hope I made sense there. I was trying to compare something to, to what I experienced and what I knew. But when you're taking over a team or, you know, or whatever it is, you want to um, – it's going to be hard enough. So anyone that's going to make your life tougher, you're going to get rid of quick. You know, and not saying that Giroux was going to make that tough, but you would have had to have moved them at, at some point or else you were going to be doing the same thing over – the same thing they did with Hackstall, same thing they did with Vigneault. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it just – it's. I understand. Like before, I you know last season, I was like they're going to bring him back. They have to. And you know the more that came out, the more I realized like they have to move on from him as much as it sucks. Best. Of, oh my god, what a terrible play that was. Here comes a penalty shot. Oh no, they're running. They scored. Um, it's just made me lose my train of thought there. It was um, never a question of his on ice ability. And I understand them wanting to move on because you just need, you need that. Like you said it yourself, this is um, best one of the best players in franchise history. I mean, you could argue number three behind what Clark and Perrant. You know, I mean, you could he could be anywhere from like three to six. What point is he's right at the top, and we had pretty much the worst stretch of Flyers hockey during that tenure. You can't be that good. I know today today's game, you know, what say what you will, but you can't be that good and have such horrible results. And I'm not even talking about season results, which are bad, but also just individual games, like where you, things that were considered unacceptable, unfathomable with this team and their rivals, and it was it was like an everyday occurrence with this team. And I just. I just, you, there's no way that the captains of the past are letting that, letting that shit happen. It just, I just don't believe that. And it's, some people just don't have it in them to, to, you know, be critical of their teammates. I get it. I'm not very critical of my teammates. When I played, I, I wasn't exactly captain material in the sense that I would put people in their place when they were needed to be put in their place. You know, I also didn't play at this high of a level. So, you know, take that what you will. But I think, you know, look at them showing Davey Pullen on screen right now. I mean, think about that guy, third-line center, captain of a very, very good Flyers team because he was a heart-and-soul guy, and he knew how to be a captain. He went to three Stanley Cups, for God's sake. Um, and it's like I had this guy, this supervisor at work years ago, and he was a really nice guy, and most supervisors aren't. Everybody liked him. You would do a lot for him, but you wouldn't do everything for him. And over time... Like, people would just start calling out more often. People would just not do as much work. It would take them longer to do it. You know, and he was he would be out there with you, like, which is not his job. You know, delivering parcels, delivering, you know, whatever. Just helping out. Just doing your job for you to help out or somebody else's. And ultimately, like, you, you appreciated him for that. You liked him for that. But ultimately, the numbers dipped. And it's because he wasn't a good supervisor. He was a good babysitter who helped, mm -hmm. you know? And that's kind of like what I 
think happened. Like, it's a whole different game than just being able to be good. You need to be good. You, I can never took the guy seriously who was horrible, but it was like, you know, I played for a lot of those free agent teams on, I think it was played against sport. Or no, no, that's where I got my stuff from. Play more, play more sports. You know, like I, you, you get all those free agent teams where they, you know, throw a bunch of people together and you're always terrible. But there's always one guy who's like, let's practice, let's do this. And they, they take the bull by the horns and they're, you know, you know hey, all right, well, I, I want to practice. And give us a fighting chance here. You always like that. Then the guy actually plays and you see he's horrible. It's like, oh my God. Like, uh, it, I'm glad he took the bull by the horns and was texting people and, you know, scrimmaging, probably printed out plays, you know, never handed them out or anything. And uh, then I see him play, and I'm like, I can't take this guy just like that. I can't take him seriously anymore. Anything he says, I you can't, you have to be able to play, you know. And he definitely, definitely had that down. Definitely, he had, he could have said anything he wanted to because he was easily the best player on the team. But I, I think that, and I'm, I don't know, but I think that one he had struggled to do that to his teammates, who were also his friends. And I think they had a really good thing there where they were all friends and they hung out together and partied together and did all that stuff. And you got to go to work with these guys every day and be on the road and all that. So to cause that ruckus, you know, to cause an awkwardness by saying something to your teammate, I just don't think that jived with Drew. And that part of him being a captain, I don't want to say it was non-existent, but it certainly wasn't a strong point. I'd even argue it was a weak point. Yeah. It is what it is. You know, and I think that ultimately hurt the culture, which ultimately hurt the team. I would agree, for sure, hundred percent. Yeah, it's you know, it just happens. It's not not necessarily a knock. It's just you know, it is what it is. Um, just real quick, we are an intermission. The Flyers are down three nothing to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Nick Paul with a goal in the first, a goal in the second, and Ross Colton scored the fifth. His fifth of the year, assisted by Corey Perry to make it 3 0, uh, I guess, with four seconds left in the period. So, I mean, the Flyers weren't going to come back, but that's kind of a backbreaker to go into the third now down 3 0. I think they only had two shots in that second period, and <laughs> Lightning scored two goals. So, two goals to two shots. Uh, Lightning leading shots 24 to 11. Fly, I'm sorry, Lightning leading faceoffs 66% to 33. The Lightning have a power play goal. The Flyers had a power play. Uh, Flyers do lead in hits, 21 to 8, and blocked shots, 14 to 5, which means that they don't have the puck a whole lot. Um, four giveaways to one. Flyers lead that, unfortunately. Uh, Lightning have six takeaways to two. The Lightning outshot the Flyers 17 to 2 in that second period. Uh, Rasmus with the line and, and Zach McEwen were called for penalties uh, in that period. And uh, Lightning cashed in on one of them. Steven Stamkos scored the 1,000th point of his career. This is a revenge game, believe it or not, for the Lightning as the Flyers beat them down in Tampa on October 18th, which seems like forever ago now. The Flyers won 3-2 down in Tampa Bay. So I guess they're due. <laughs> they're due to end up back on the losing end uh, to the Lightning. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we're watching this game in the background. Yeah, the effort is there, but the Lightning look like the Lightning again. When they, when they enter the zone, especially any kind of odd man rush, I mean, they just they just 
Yeah. He's done it a million times. They all just break into their positions. You got somebody down low ready. He's open, ready for a pass. You know, they have options up top. It's like done it a million times. Hart had made a lot of good saves. He stopped at least two breakaways. Um, you know, they just hung him out to dry as usual. The talent is not there. Flat out not there. Yep. 21 saves on 24 shots. For Carter Hart, um, it's intermission, Jack. And uh, you want to talk some fantasy hockey during intermission? I'm going to pull up our, our league now. The uh, ESPN one here. Um, hang on a sec. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm losing, actually. Keep playing. Um, I am playing... Team Sweden, mostly. Are you undefeated? Joe Dell? I am. I am. I wasn't going to say it because I didn't want to brag, but I am. Knock on wood because I'm playing Joe Del Vecchio, and he's beating me by eight points right now. Uh, I got my work cut out for me heading into the weekend. So, uh, yes. Uh, how are you doing? I'm four and two. Not bad. Uh, I'm winning currently right now against Josh Bright's The Eye Testers, but it is early. I am Team Rebuild. Um, my division's got two five and one teams ahead of me. <laughs> so we got a, you got a pretty, uh, there's some good, good teams. You got a, you're six and oh, Josh is five and one, and you got a four and two team, three and three, then I, then three, two and fours, and an oh and six. Unfortunately, that Hogue, sorry, Hogue, I'm going to throw it out there. That's the one and only. Hoagie Hogs, Hogs Heroes, Owen said. Hogs Heroes, yeah. He had a he had a, a plan. He had a plan with the drift he went with. And you know, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Maybe he's doing the tank. <laughs> That's what I was supposed to be doing. Um, my division's got two five and one teams at the top. I'm four and two. Then it kind of evens out two, three, and three teams. Uh, a one, two and four team and two one and five teams. So um, it's huge. This is like sixteen of us, right? Yeah, yeah. Huge. I, I figured out what's wrong with Hogue's team here. They're all Finland or something. He's got three flyers on it. Ooh, yeah. Scotty Walsh. We had that. That's his boy. Morgan uh, Cross for some reason. I don't know what he's waiting. He's got, for. he's got former flyers too. Gouda, Shen. Oh yeah, he's got two guys on the IR. Hogue's the hell. Mike Hoffman and Kyler yeah. Yamamoto, both starting. Playing. He's got him playing. Langescon's on his actual IR. That's the problem, though. We only ha I think we only have one IR spot. Yep, yep, yep. He's got Langescon on there, so that's tough. Classic tank job going on right now for Hoogs. He's got Kutrov down. Let me make a move there. Hey, HW listeners. Thanks for listening to part two of our three-part live stream episode. The episode continues on to part three, featuring Derek Bob of the Pod Street Bullies. Thanks for listening, and let's go Flyers.